0: Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Matt Morgan. You heard me right. It is me, Matt. I'm stepping in as as lead, ho- well, co-lead host, whatever it is. But anyways, this week we do have Dana. Dana, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing pretty great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Any jokes for us this week? Um, you know, I, I I've been thinking about doing um lunges to try to get myself in shape. Um, uh huh. But it, it would be a big step forward. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it
0: would be. It would be. Always taking care of your health. It's a uh, exactly uh, carrying yourself forward. I I got nothing. You beat me to it. Well played, <laughs> sir. Well played. But anyway, so yes, it's just us two. It's Dana and I this week. Joey's taken a little week off, giving him some time away. And so since Joey's gone, we wanted to talk about ourselves this week. And so Dana, you and I have a pretty pretty vastly different approach to something. And so we wanted to talk about it this week. So can you introduce to everybody what it
1: is we're talking about this week? We are going to be talking about the differences in how we update our decks, uh, particularly when a new set comes out, because you and I take very different approaches to this. Very, very, very different approaches. You're absolutely right. So yes, we'll we'll
0: talk about that. We got some quick shout-outs to do before we get into the main topic, though. So let's take care of those and we'll move forward.
1: First I want to shout out Chase, also known as Mana for their help in editing the show. You can find them on Twitter at Mana Curves.
0: And you can support the show by liking and subscribing to this video on YouTube, by subscribing and leaving reviews on your local podcast apps, or by going to patreon.com slash retcast where you have patron tiers of all sorts of levels. Whether you want to join the Discord community, you want to see all the episodes a day early, just a nice way to get a little something for yourself and more over at patreon.com slash retcast including the special weekly shout out. So Brad Fowler, nobody has ever... Smelled I can't I, I can't think of a fouler joke. That joke was pretty foul. That is my fault. Uh, but Brad, thank you so much for the the support. We definitely appreciate that as well. So Dana, main yes. topic, updating our decks. So everybody does it and sets come out all the stinking time. So why you do this all the time, and I do this not all the time. Maybe maybe <laughs> right. once in a time. Right. So so it's really interesting with all these sets that are coming out. I just want to talk about you for a second because you pour so much energy into updating decks. What is it just when you go to update your decks and a new set comes out, what is that process even like for you?
1: So so first all, I'll describe the process, but there's a, there's an interesting note to make about it. But but okay. the pro- the process for me so, you know, spoiler week or two weeks or whatever happens, and we get this, this deluge of new cards coming in. And <clears throat> so I, I have a spreadsheet with all my decks. And, and when a, a, a card is previewed, that catches my eye. I'll, I'll make a notation next to the deck that, oh, I want to add, you know, a demolition field into these three decks that are still running Tectonic Edge or something. Sure. Um, cause that seems like that would be an update. So, so I will just make a note, demolition field, whatever. Um, but, you know, I I don't necessarily do that that religiously or pay that close of attention. It's just if something obviously catches my eye, I add it. Um, then on Fridays, um, when we get that that official full visual spoilers, whatever, from WotC, when, like, every card has been previewed, I, I specifically take, like, an hour and go over the full list of cards. Um there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, this is a thing we do. Like, whether it's this podcast or writing about stuff for EDH Rec or, you know, j- just wanting to be somebody in the field who knows what they're talking about, I, I want to know what every card is, that has been released does or at least give myself a chance to know what they are. Okay. And to a degree, I think I- I'm sure everyone in the content creation game does some of that. I mean, like, throughout content creation or throughout preview week, people are talking about cards you and i even though you don't necessarily add new cards to decks like you're aware of what's being released too so like there's a professional component to it
0: yeah dana whether you're sheldon menery who's the the king of the format essentially or you know you're you're the one more mana squad who you know, they're just a YouTube channel. They stream every now and then. But everybody in the content creator sphere, almost, I would say. Yeah. They do some sort of tracking and, and keeping up with decks. And it's just for content even. I mean, you see all the the, absolutely. the new SEO type of videos trying to hype up the new sets. Like, everybody kind of has to do that if you're in the content creator sphere. So, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Even though, like you said, I I don't update decks near as much. I still do
1: follow preview season. Uh, but, but the the next level of that I do is, is then on that Friday when I'm reading through all those cards, um, I will make a note of just like, okay, oh, this card is good for this particular deck. So in that spreadsheet next to the appropriate deck, I will add in, you know, I, I want to uh, look at this card closely for the deck. It, maybe it's not necessarily going to wind up going in. But I'll usually wind up with like two or three or, you know, depending on the set, if the set has a lot of overlap with that particular deck and what it does, maybe there's, you know, five or six cards that I'm, that I'm thinking about adding. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I will add those to that spreadsheet. Next particular deck deck list, and then over the course of the next week or two weeks or whatever, um, <laughs> I, I will make those changes. So like, I'll go through. Okay, I'm looking at these three cards or these four cards for this particular deck. Mm-hmm. What I want to like, do I really want them? Oh, 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 I misread this card. So this card isn't as good as I thought it was. Or oh, this card is better than I thought it was. I definitely want to add that. So what can I swap out with? So so that's what that that's my first thing I do is get that stuff down in that spreadsheet so that I can take the next step of finding swaps. So. You mentioned that you, you know, as we're, we're going
0: through preview season, do you start throwing cards onto – you said spreadsheets. Anybody who's listened to the podcast knows you have your big, expansive spreadsheets and history of all the cards in and out. Do you start adding new cards from a new set during preview season as kind of a – I'm just going to throw everything here and see if it sticks? Or do you wait until we have the whole set previewed, I guess?
1: I start thinking about it pretty quickly, particularly with something that like I'm definitely adding to the deck. Okay. So like to, to use the most recent set, we got the new um the new Glissa the, the Trader variant is a Glissa Sunslayer. Um well I knew it was gonna go in the deck at the very least, and maybe replace Glissa the Trader atop the deck. So like that was something once it was previewed, it was immediately on the list. And then I began, you know, in the back of my mind or while I'm you know, sitting, doing something that's in thinking about magic or whatever, like <laughs> I, I'm kind of mulling over what I want to do with that card. So like right away, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately thinking about stuff for sure.
0: So you have all the, the cards that you've kind of thrown into your spreadsheet. You have Gliss of the sun slayer. Do you go through every single deck looking for a card or, or an opportunity to add cards or how do you kind of prioritize everything? Do you make sure you spend time on every single deck or do you just kind of go through the set first?
1: So I go through the set first, cause I, I will. I mean, I know what my decks do. I don't have that many decks, or some people that are running, you know, fifty decks or something. Maybe it's maybe it's more difficult. I'm, you know, at twelve to fifteen ish at any given time. Mm-hmm. So I know, okay, I have a fling deck that cares about plus one counter stuff. Does this card interact with the deck's doing? No, well, then I don't care, right? Like, so it's easy to see what cards might interact with what deck to like at least make that first cut. Mm-hmm. Um, very infrequently is there one that doesn't quite register mentally like oh that would be good for that deck sure i've just been doing this long enough that like i can i can see what things visually are like oh yeah this will be good for this deck that'll be good for that deck and at least put it down on the things to consider list and that whole process like going over those cards number one because i've seen most of them that week already or the as you know things have gotten spoiled we've talked about it um you know i go through the list it takes about an hour to go through the, the full spoiler list and like put down the things that i want to um, put down. That's an hour-ish process on a Friday.
0: So so that's actually right there. That's a stark, stark contrast compared to how I approach oh, sure. when I'm adding cards. So you said you, you look through the set preview and and then kind of figure, okay, that would probably be good in this deck. That would be good in this deck. I kind of do it the inverse way where I, I go to scryfall. I set in the parameters for what that commander is whether the color identity or whatever. And then I go through the set from there. So I'm kind of I'm taking it deck by deck instead of set by set. So that right off the bat, sure, kind of flips the axis on on how we approach. It. I'm I'm looking to add stuff to a certain deck, whereas you're looking for to to add the cards into any given deck.
1: Well, in one thing I will note about this process too. So th- th- this has its roots in when I first started playing Commander ten years ago. Now I guess you know 2012 2013. Sure, when we were getting four sets a year and and we. We're just just getting those that that bundle of four or five commander decks. So with those long gaps in between sets, it was like a big deal. Oh, e- even a, even like a core set that was pretty basic and didn't have a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, that was exciting because like we hadn't seen anything for four months before that. Um, so so th- this process has its origins in just make me being hyped to see new cards and wanting to add into my decks. Um, I- I'm still excited to see new cards that the decks, but it's changed to be almost a self-defense mechanism at this point because if i (laughs) if i don't do it like this and do it every set i'll just fall so far behind that i can't keep back up (laughs) like i will never remember if i wait six months to to do this and four sets have came out i'm not going to remember this card that got released two sets ago or 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 this one you know whatever it is this one pricker interaction that i want to test out in this deck I'm just not going to remember it. Yeah. So it, it, it it's very much become a thing that I feel like if I don't do it, um, it's like doing the dishes. Like you can do your dishes every <laughs> night or if you don't have it done yeah. into like a hoarder house. And I'm like, I can't, I don't want to get to that situation where like I do my dishes once every three weeks or something. I just got to stay on top of it. I live by myself, so I can get away with doing my dishes like every <laughs> sure, other
0: day. Sure. So it's like, okay, there's two cereal bowls today. Guess I got to do both of them. I- <laughs> right. But but you, there, you, you're correct, though. There is absolutely a, a, a something to be said for making the habit of that and just keeping up with that. And, there, and it, that applies not just to, to updating your decks, but just anything in life. If you make it a habit; it's it's easier to keep doing. And so I I like the point that you've kind of sit he- or set here where. You make it a habit. I I sit down. I do this, and I do it every single set just to make sure I, that that muscle memory almost is kind of a thing. That's that's absolutely it's something that a lot of people just they they can't keep up with, and and that's awesome that you
1: are able to. Well, and to give a real world example of this, so I have I, I there's a a list I have of of a Marwyn the Nurturer Elf Ball deck. Mm-hmm. So Marwyn is a commander that taps for mana based on what her strength is, and she cares about elves. It's it's a really good commander to build a, mon- a mono green elf deck around and you can build a very solid, solid budget Marlin list. Mm-hmm. So I have this, this Marlin list. That's like 20 ish dollars that I have together um that I take with me to my LGS. And it's, if someone is in the shop who just is like starting to learn commander or wants to play a game with us, I either have this deck that I can play that's lower powered against somebody, or I can loan it to somebody who, who's wanting to try out commander and it's relatively straightforward. You're just playing elves. Your commander does a really straightforward thing. Um, and because it's a cheap deck, if the person was cool to play with, I could just tell them to keep it. Like, oh, keep that. Yeah, just keep it. So sure, sure. So it, it's, that's the purpose of this deck. And it's, so that's not one that I update except for like maybe once a year. I'll be like, well, I should just check and see if there's any cool elf or the Marlin list that came out. And I just did that <laughs> about uh, two weeks ago which required me going back through and like having to do filter searches for anything in mono green that was an elf and, and that wasn't too terrible cuz there was not that many i mean there was you know 12 or 15 release but like sure sure that wasn't that difficult but then i'm like okay what other mono green toys came out that would be cheap that the deck would want and I have to – I'm, like, going off memory because there's no way to really search cool mono green toys in Scryfall. <laughs> I have no way to, to, to do that. So I'm having to look for, okay, what specific things from the deck? Well, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, cheap instant speed spells that, that like, give your commander a, a power bump and maybe untap it or something. Like, not super useful when your commander has a tap make mana ability. Well, have there been any of those released in the last year? So, like, it, it turns into a much more difficult – a much more time-consuming process to try to update that deck if I wait a year to do it versus like any else this, this month or anything that like when I have it in mind when I, like when I'm specifically specifically reading the list of new cards for things that go in that deck, it's just a much smaller time commitment than just try to do it once a year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you're you're super correct too on it's hard to remember. It's easy to to, to remember. The big things that kind of are themed around what the deck is doing, but all the in-between utility cards, mm-hmm. like remembering that Tyvar's Stand is a new card that just came out. Right. That you're going to want to put in a lot of different green decks, but if you forget to do it for a couple sets, yeah, you're going to forget about cards like Tyvar's Stand and, and all those kind of the commons and uncommons that we love on this podcast. But mm-hmm. when you're going through and in building decks or, or updating decks, you don't always remember to look for those types of cards.
1: Right, Exactly and and when there's this many sets coming out per year at least me my short term memory i just i just am not going to remember all of them like maybe i could when there was three or four sets coming out you know 10 years ago
0: yeah absolutely and and i i almost kind of miss the days where the routine that I still am in where I don't updates, update decks near as often as you do, but that was okay because that's how often we got new cards, whereas you kept up with the times. I just kind of sat there and, and, and crossed my arms and, and pouted a little bit.
1: <laughs> I, I guess, and the thing is, uh, it's only a big deal if you, if it bothers you if your deck isn't updated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I could also, like, yes, it would be a lot of work to go back and through and do all of them, or I could just not care, right? Some There, there are plenty of people that, like, I built this deck. If I see a really obvious upgrade, I'll add it. But I'm not going to pour over the minutia of the list, you know, week in and week out. Um, I can't not do that. <laughs> just the way I brew and play, like, yeah. I have to always find some screws to be tightening here or there. So um, that would bother me more than, like, like not updating my deck um, would bother me more than the the time it takes to do it the way I do it. So Fair. I have just accepted that this is, a, this is a thing I do whenever a new set comes out. <laughs>
0: Fair. I mean, accepting that you have a problem is the first yes, step, right? Or whatever, <laughs> right whatever exactly. it is they say. So, so a question then you, that I just kind of thought of here is: you said people they tend to kind of feel bothered if they don't have their decks updated. Do you ever feel obligated to put in a new card just because it's a new card and take out anything for like the new the new hotness? Like I know, for example, uh, one of the new cards from Firexia, All Will Be One, the uh, the, the conduit of. Whatever it was, I forget the name of it, I'm sorry. Um, Conduit of Worlds, there it is. Um, I took it out because, and I t- I put it in to my Angry Omnath list. And I took out Ramen Up Excavator, which is one of my favorite cards that I've had for a long time. And you and I were talking about it on Twitter. And Olivia Gobert-Hicks, one of the, the rules committee members said, or oh, hear me out, just play what you want to play. <laughs> right. I was like, well, I, I get that. And I love Ramen Up Excavator. And I agree with you in spirit, but I also want to try out the new cards every now and then. Do you ever have that situation where you feel obligated to to try the new cards for the sake of trying new cards?
1: So I I do have enough decks that I like there's just always changes. Mm-hmm. It's not like if I maybe was someone who had like three decks or something, maybe I would not have enough call to add decks to, to cards to decks. Maybe I would have to force a little bit more. That doesn't really work out that way for me i just have enough decks that and and they're i've tried to make them be different enough from one another that it's just gonna hit a different not enough quadrants like when a set comes out there's the odds are just going to be it's going to have though there will be a handful of cards that i will want to at least consider mm-hmm. um now w- one thing i do do is there'll be a card that comes out and i'm like i'm not really necessarily sure this card is going to work in my deck matter of fact i, I i'm i'm fairly sure it won't but i don't know that for certain and i don't want to just dismiss it outright um, specifically, that's actually something I think I found I do more and more as I'm doing content creation than I did before I was doing content creation. Because before I felt like, well, if, I, if the card is, winds up being good in six months, I'll just add it to the deck. Who cares? Um, whereas I'm trying to like make sure I'm, I'm doing my due diligence kind of in, in testing out cards and not just going with my default assumption. So I think as I've done this podcast, one of the things I make it a point to do is try out stuff. Sure. Even if I'm not that sold on it, just because I want to say I've I've given it a try before I've come to a conclusion.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. I, I, I'm at the point where I want to try new cards, but also I'm so attached to all the cards of the deck. I, I, it, they they say, like, oh, keep the pet cards you want. I'm like, well, everything's a pet card at this point for all my decks. <laughs> yeah. And so, I like, if I want to try anything new, literally, I have to cut a pet card. And that's just, that's the conundrum I find myself in. So, I was wondering if you also ever felt the same way. So, uh, I'm glad that you just kind of mentally, nope, I have to do it. I have to try out these new cards. So, it's good to hear that you at least are are actively working against that. Because I just, I get myself stuck so often.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it definitely is tricky um for a lot of reasons. When there's this many sets coming out every year, I think your decks just accidentally get stronger by making swaps. Like when when you've got that many more choices of brand new things to add to your deck and no one for the most part is adding bad cards to their decks. They're adding cards that are probably not very often than the no. ones. Yeah, they're upgrading most of the time. So those like incremental upgrades definitely probably add – add power to a deck. They also make things tighter. So like it becomes, I think, more and more difficult to make those cuts every time. Mm-hmm. And then in my case, I, I usually have one or two pet cards in most of my decks that are suboptimal, but I like, and I have just decided that this card is just always going to be in the deck. I have a mono white super friends deck and a lapse of certainty is a counterspell in that deck. Power-wise, it probably isn't necessarily <laughs> that amazing, but I'm just always going to run in that deck because it's always fun. It always tells a good story. Yeah. So that's just always going to have a slot sure. in that deck regardless of power level. So I got, there's a couple of those cards in every one of my decks. So between those kind of things and the fact that I just tinker a lot and have tuned my decks and there's so many cards coming out, it definitely gets more and more difficult with every set to find slots for this stuff for sure. Yeah, it, it it's getting
0: tight. And and often too, you said everybody's always perpetually, you know, upgrading decks. You're you're very rarely downgrading. I think it's also because, too, the point that we we love to make here on the show is Watsy keeps giving, no matter what the strategy is, no matter what the color combinations you're in, you're getting new things for whatever strategy you're building towards. Yeah. That's the super cool thing. And so you always are getting opportunities to kind of tweak and improve your decks even if it's not something very, very directly and specifically.
1: Yeah, like like once upon a time, you could run every sort of punch and face because there was only five of them in your, in your equipment deck and you could find room for them. Yeah. Maybe not now. Like maybe you have to make the determination of which ones weren't, aren't as good as your as good in your particular list as you would like. Mm-hmm. So you cut them, even though like you you, you know, think it's super cool to have those swords in your deck and have as many in there as possible. Um, those things have definitely become trickier and trickier and you just have to make harder and harder cuts because there's just so many good options.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's probably the most discouraging part for me is there are so many good options. So let me just stick with what works. Yeah. I I, I think I kind of just I get stuck in, I enjoy how they work, how my decks are playing, and I don't really feel super motivator obligated, I guess is the, the, the better word to change decks and, and to kind of, I'm not going to fix what isn't broken. Why don't I just find something else that I could maybe break so that then I can fix that later too.
1: Another thing I guess I've kind of noticed that I think is a positive regarding this And and this kind of branches off from the show we did a few weeks back where we talked about moving to more themed based decks versus like good stuff kind of deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I do recall, you know, eight-ish years ago or so, when you would get some new bomb mythic creature in a set. And oftentimes I felt like, oh, I want that in all of my decks Um, because it's just so powerful. Like this super good blue creature I want in every blue deck. Yeah, yeah. As I've moved to more theme-based decks, and I I think have been encouraged to do so, like those play better, at least based on how I play, um, I found I, I definitely find myself, even though I have now a dozen to 15 decks, there isn't a ton of overlap anymore. I tend to, this this one good card comes out, but it's good for this one deck, and it's not good anything else. I might have plenty of other decks that have blue, but they aren't going to use the card as well as this one specific deck is. But that other deck's going to use this one specific card really, really well. Um, So I, I that is one thing that I think has also definitely changed when it comes to upgrading these decks is... There's not a lot of overlap in the way there once was, I think. You know, occasionally you'll get an Assassin's Trophy kind of card. They're like, oh, well, any deck running black and green might want Assassin's Trophy. Um, you know, a little bit of that demolition field. I put in a bunch of different decks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a colorless land. It can go in anywhere. So there's, there's a few of those, but like to me, it definitely feels like I do that way less than I did eight or 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Thankfully, we don't get a whole lot of cards that yeah. are like Demolition Field, or, or we only get Arcane Signet every 10 years. Right. Where yeah. it's something that you just feel obligated. It's just, it's so powerful. It's so good mm-hmm. that you have to find room for it. I was kind of the same way about Terra Sunder, actually, from the new, or not new, I guess, anymore, Dominary United set. Right. <laughs> uh, that card, any black, green X deck can play that and it's just such a powerful and flexible effect like it at worst it's a naturalize but then it kind of plays a lateral move to utter end in those types of cards so it's just a great flexible card and i just i found myself any deck that could play it i was trying to find a space for it and that's where i kind of i get it i'm glad that we don't get cards like that very often that are just so universally good we need to find it's not just you're finding a slot in a deck it's right. i'm finding a slot in ten decks to make room for this one new universally powerful card, right? Like demolition, I, I did the same with with demolition field too. So so at this point, Dana, mm-hmm. we would be trying to steal the segue from Joey to move to challenge stats, but Joey's not here.
1: Right? So, I mean, would you like to segue into it? I mean, you're I welcome mean, to I, it. If so like. so
0: I I got to steal the segue last week. Would okay, you like fair. to to segue in? And and I just I want to make sure that we're taking turns and doing this. Sure, absolutely, sure. Um, uh, I mean, everybody should get it, a chance to segue into challenges. Absolutely. Stats.
1: If if you're okay with me taking it, I, I will absolutely I would good sir. I will lead that segue. Please,
0: okay. I will I tip my cap to you. I appreciate um, that. Thank please, you. Please pr- please proceed with with segueing.
1: EDHREC is a stat based <laughs> website with millions of statistics at your at your fingertips, and we're going to challenge them right now. Well well played, good sir. <laughs>
0: Did you guys know there are butterflies that drink blood? Or that there's a species of beetle that can shoot boiling liquid out of its butt. Or that blue whales are so big you can swim through their arteries. But there's a species of bat that's so small that it weighs less than a penny. My name's Maya. And my name's Connor. And we are the co-hosts of World's Wildest Podcast. If you guys love nature and you love learning about how crazy it is, Connor and I have over 30 years of experience in wildlife conservation, and we're here to tell you all about them. World's Wildest will take you on a journey to meet Earth's most extreme creatures from the world's strongest to our world's smelliest. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So the first challenge we have this week is from a listener at Common Spence underscore 16. Um, says, Dana, I'd like to submit a challenge to stats for Infectious Bite in Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief decks. It's showing up in 8% of Ivy decks so far, and it doesn't work with Ivy's copy trigger because it targets two creatures, and Ivy's trigger only allows you to copy things that target a single creature. And yeah, Infectious Bite is one in the green for an instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. Each opponent gets a poison counter. So yes, it, it's only targeting... One of your opponent's creatures, but there's still the clause in it where it has to target one of your own creatures. So it's it doesn't say two targets or anything. It's kind of split up across the card, but it does require two targets, and I verified that with the judge just to be certain. So yes, this this is a card. In eight percent of IV decks, is a pretty significant amount for a card that just doesn't work the way we're assuming the people casting it are hoping it works. So that's a very good challenge, spence Thanks a lot for bringing it to our attention.
0: Yeah, I, I we love those those challenges where we're finding out non-bows and in keying in on those. So that's that's absolutely great. And my challenge this week actually is is along the same lines. It isn't overplayed, and I'm not saying it's overplayed in every single deck because depending on the way that you build your deck. It could actually be a very, very powerful card. So the card I'm challenging is Marionette Master, which is four black black for a human artificer deck with Fabricate three, which reads you can have it enter the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters, or you create three Thopter, or excuse me, Servo artifact creature tokens. And then whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. So the deck that I'm seeing it that I, I'm not really sold on it is going to be Ashnod the Uncaring, which is the Grixis commander that came in the Brothers of War precons, uh, that has Death Touch and the ability of whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, if one or more permanents were sacrificed to activate it, you may copy that ability and you may choose new targets for the copy. So I'm not super sold on Marionette Master in Ashnod the Uncaring decks. Now, yes you are able to get quite a few marionette master triggers from it. But if you're hoping to, you know, sacrifice a whole bunch of treasures, you know, Grixis is very, very good at making treasure tokens. If you're hoping to copy all of those with Ashnod's ability, that actually doesn't work. You don't get to copy the marionette master's ability because you have to activate the ability in order for it to be copied. And, and, and marionette master's ability, it's a triggered ability, not a activated ability. So... Yes, if you're using Goblin Engineer to sacrifice artifacts, you can do all that, and you're getting a copy of those. But the cost has already been paid, so you're not you're you're not getting another Marionette Master trigger from whatever ability you are triggering with Ashnod's ability there. So there's a lot going on, and I know I'm saying triggered abilities and, and a lot of just keywords that are going on right here. But the point is, I don't think that Marionette Master is really going to fit into the typical Ashnod deck now if, if you're f- focusing it very heavily on having a lot of activated abilities and you're not expecting marionette master to kind of crank through the damage like it can do with treasure heavy decks for example then yes marionette master is is going to be fine but i think that in a world where we're we're talking on this whole episode about cards that are just kind of fine you can kind of do a little bit better than Marinette master in most ashnod the uncaring decks i'm not saying it should be in zero percent of ashnod decks But 55% seems very, very high. That's what would be kind of staple territory for that certain commander. And I just don't think Marionette Master is that for every single Ashnod deck. So if you're playing Marionette Master, maybe give it a second look in Ashnod decks because I just don't think it quite fits.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's it's one of those cards where people are running it thinking it works in a way it doesn't quite work for sure.
0: Yep. And it could be spillover from from having Mishra at the head of the deck too. So people are kind of looking. So who knows? Lots of factors there. But with that, since you brought us in, I'll take us out of challenge of stats. Excellent. Quite polite of us to to share these duties here. Um we're gonna talk about how I update decks, I guess, since you got your turn, Dana. So I guess what are what are the questions that I, I need to answer here because um, well, so,
1: yeah, so so we established that we kind of both start off doing the thing everyone does. We're like, hey, this this new cool creature was spoiled everyone's talking about it and getting excited and sure it's going to get banned immediately because it's breaking the format <laughs> um, <laughs> which it tends to happen <laughs> once every set um so so you're aware of the things that get released but that's where we kind of branch off when once that friday spoiler list comes out i'm, I'm digging into that and making notes already and where do you go from there like so so are you just okay i'm done until the next set or, or or, what happens from, from that point onward for you?
0: So for me, in order to to get a card as soon as it's coming out, it has to be an absolute just banger of a card for a certain deck. I, I'm, not, I'm not jumping to, to grab the $40 cards. Uh, in, in Phyrexia All Will Be One just came out. And yeah, Elish Norn Mother Machines is absolutely a bomb card that I think would fit in a couple of my, my decks. Uh, Mondrak, Glory Dominus, same thing. But I'm also not jumping out to get them. It'd have to be something super, super special for a specific deck for me to kind of get them, uh, especially pre-order them. I I almost never have done that in the past, I would say, like 10 years. But what I do, if something is is going to be very, very good, I will kind of keep an eye on, on everything. If you look at my Moxfield profile where I have all of my decks... I have a the the considering list is kind of where I keep a track of cards that I'm like okay that looks cool during preview season I'm gonna store the idea there and I'll kind of circle back to it and, and, and revisit it so I'll kind of do that for big cards that that jump out at me during preview season but I'm not actively like tracking okay I this card has to go in every single one of these and I forget to do that fairly often. But once the set is done and we have everything out there and we have all the deck lists for the pre-constructed decks that are coming along with it, that's when I'll kind of go over to Scryfall and I'll open up everything. And I'll, like I said, I put my filters in, I make sure everything kind of the, the parameters that I'm I'm looking to stay within. And I do deck by deck searching. I, I'm going to look at my, my, uh, my Balmore deck, for example, uh, which is my Is It Spellsinger deck. So I'll put in the colors and kind of look with that deck in mind specifically. And I have to narrow the card pool down. Dana, you said that you look at entire sets and kind of track everything. I have to only look at cards with the mindset of one specific deck. Otherwise I get overwhelmed and and the decision paralysis kind of gets me super discouraged from wanting to proceed. That's just how my, mi- my, mind works.
1: No, I definitely understand that. I mean, it, it, it can be a lot to deal with for sure. Um, because I'm kind of mentally filtering while I do it like okay I'm going through my my white um the white cards on here well I'm aware okay I've got five white decks and they all do five specific things and so like I'm kind of it's it's pretty easy to when you see that you know two one vanilla cat or something well that's not gonna be kill any of my decks mm-hmm. so it, yeah it, it's yeah it, it is relatively easy to filter out those things um or, or, or at least once you've gotten used to it but I can absolutely see how it's particularly when this happens, once a month at this point, or even <laughs> sooner sometimes. Yeah,
0: even more just, often.
1: It Just feels like it's just. I mean, it, it it turns into work then at some point too. It feels like it's not a fun thing. It feels like it, would could think it was work. I still enjoy it, but I can see how people absolutely wouldn't. And we said a, a, a few
0: episodes ago, we're not here to pick to take on you know third and fourth jobs just to build decks and. Right. Yeah. But but yeah. also I have so many decks that I can't look at a complete spoiler of any uh, any set and any color and think, okay, I have these four decks that I have to look for at one time. I cannot do that. And and so the more decks that you have, the more trying to update all of them at the same time, simultaneously, like in your brain, that just, I, I don't understand how people can do that. If you do awesome, my brain doesn't work that way at all. So I absolutely have to filter everything down. I have to pull up a deck. I have the deck list on one screen. And then I have the the previews of all cards I could put in there and I'm just, I'm working on one deck. And and so I'm not trying to kind of like what I said earlier, you're, you're looking at cards, trying to find a home for them. I'm looking at the home and I'm trying to see what would be welcome there. I guess is the, the best way I can explain the differences between your approach and mine.
1: That absolutely makes sense. Uh, so, so when do you decide to do that? Is there, is there like every three sets, every six months, or just I'm in the mood to do it, so I'm going to do it. Is there, uh, how do you make the determination Uh, when it's it's time to make a look for for upgrades?
0: If the mood strikes me, that's a good way to put it. So I try to make sure I'm doing it like thoroughly at least like every couple months. So quarterly at max, but that's like, there has to be a lot of life going on for me to not do it every three months, which like you said, Dana, that, that used to be, Maybe a set once. or two, <laughs> right? But now that if I do it every three months, I'm I'm missing some sort of supplemental product and all this other stuff. So um, I like to do it at least once every major set, and then I'll just in the Scryfall filters I'll add. I want to look at all of these sets all at once, and then I'll, I'll search through all the normal parameters there. But still, I I have to have one specific deck in mind. I have to lo- have okay, Tasa Karlov. We're going to look at white and black cards. Here we go. And then I'm just, I'm scanning for keywords. I'm scanning for anything that looks like it might jump out and, and help that specific deck and they'll add it to the maybe board. I'll, I'll keep that maybe board in, in the considering that's kind of the living document. You, you have your Excel sheet. I have the maybe board of all the cards that I want to keep in mind. And then I'm going to kind of brainstorm through once I've just kind of aggregated all of the cards from the newest sets. Uh, I have to kind of break it down a little bit before I can just tackle sure. everything all at once.
1: So because you then have this list of cards that you're kind of considering, does mm-hmm. it sometimes work out that way where where you'll have played a deck and like three games in a row, this one card just didn't get the job done? So, mm-hmm. like, oh, this, I'm annoyed by this card. What's on my maybe list of, of the last couple sets on the top is does that happen sometimes? Is that like the way moves sometimes get made too, or like some things that are performed and you're just ready to yank it out and and oh look, this card came out two months ago and I haven't bought it, but I was considering it. This is a perfect chance to try it out.
0: Um, every now and then, so I, I also I look for cards that if there's something new that I want to put in, and I hate to say this, but the the, the conduit of worlds example, where the conduit of worlds for Omnath, Locus of Rage deck more often than not, is probably just going to be better than up Excavator. You have to babysit it less because you don't have to worry about board wipes killing all your creatures. The conduit can sit around. But also you get to cast things from your graveyard. and, And sometimes you just run out of steam. Sometimes the engines don't get going. And so sometimes for a certain deck, like a pet card can just get out class. So if there's there's a card that there's just a better version of it, uh there there's less hand holding that needs to go along with it. Well, sure. I might can that's probably where I'm gonna look at upgrading and putting in a card that requires me to do less for it to, to be good. Uh Conduit of Worlds was one of those cards that it was just all it, and I, I you know that I hate when people say strictly better. Very rarely does it ever actually apply. Sure. Uh but sometimes it's it's better for a deck. Yes. Uh and so that's where I, I start to look at things of, okay, is this filling a slot that I'm already doing, but it's just doing something better or something that maybe the deck has a weakness in does help shore things up. But then yes, the, you always have to kind of evaluate what are the cards that are just kind of medium in the deck? What are what are the vanilla? Granted, I love vanilla ice cream, so I'm not besmirching <laughs> vanilla, but what are, the, what are the cards that aren't really exciting anymore? Because you know... I, We've gone through what kind of players we are. I'm the Timmy. Like I play this game to like feel some feelings. And if cards are kind of getting boring for me, that's when they start also to get considered for. Well, what's something new and exciting that I can I can get excited to play again? Because this card, it's just been, eh, it's been there.
1: Or or it's one of those cards where we're like it's done its thing and. The thing is super powerful, and you're just you—you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish with it. Absolutely, um, I, I remember the, the first time I experienced that was—I remember when I had my first Enchantress deck again years and years ago, and I—I I was flipping through cards, of mine. I'm like, Primal Surge, like, wow, that would be great in this deck because there's almost no—it's you know—it's ninety percent permanence, like. I would cast this and really often put like 30 cards into play. That's amazing. So I found a swap for it in the deck. I was so excited. I did it literally the one time and put, you know, 50 cards into play or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, and and then two weeks later playing game again, I drew it again. I was like, oh, I don't want to cast this. I did it once. I, I was sure, sure. I, I was I realized then that I was I had accomplished the thing I wanted to accomplish with that card and I was good. I didn't I did it the one time that was super cool and I didn't want to win that way again. So it came out and I've never cast a Primal Surge since then. That.
0: See, that's such a fine line for me though, because I love winning in these like massive explosive <laughs> turns of just like sure. holy cow, did you see what just happened? So it's it's a it's a real fine line of absolutely- that that was crazy and holy cow surge to victory for something massive and then did something (laughs) even more massive. Like those are the types of things I love doing, but there's also stuff like I would say maybe Lux artillery, one of those new cards that uh, you basically just get a whole bunch of counters. And if you have 30 or more counters on artifacts and creatures, you control Lux artillery deals 10 damage to each opponent. So I'm sure that people try to just, okay, can I kill everybody? The turn I play Lux Artillery. Maybe something like that. Right. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Achievement unlocked. Got it. Um, absolutely, yeah. So sometimes there are, there are things that I want to do at least once. But I also... I don't like building a deck and t- to do something once. I want to do something that I can have that experience and see what other kinds of things can I do with it. Y- yes, like the, the, the Lux Artillery piece is part of it. But that's not the only thing I want to do. So I... I really love the variance of commander, anyways. I love having a different experience. And okay, I didn't get my power card. How can I get? A, how can I find a way to win in this situation? And so, finding other ways to do that—that's where I, I, I struggle. And that's probably why, actually, too, I have so many pet cards because I love. <laughs> if something makes me feel good, I want to do it again. Uh, it, it's not going to be something that I want to do once. I'm like, okay, cool, did
1: it, bye. So would you? Would you then say that that? you don't necessarily enjoy the process of upgrading your decks because like for me um despite the fact that it feels a little overwhelming sometimes i still do get like a excitement when i see that when i go over that full list on friday morning and start putting up potential cards and there is still enjoyment in the process for me despite the fact that it's also somewhat (laughs) self-defense to not have to deal with the hoarder house (laughs) <laughs> um, worth of cards every every six months. I do enjoy it. Is that something that you find you, it's it's not a, a fun thing? It's just like maybe something you have to do, or or do you enjoy it? You just enjoy it your own way.
0: Um. So that's a really good question. I I enjoy looking at new cards and I enjoy the process of of tinkering and and refining because that, that's kind of what I do for work. Anyways, is doing quality control, doing the the okay. Here's a little deficiency. How can we shore that up? And so my brain already works that way. So it's not that I don't like upgrading decks, but it's finding what to cut. And and when I say like at this point, any card that I cut is a pet card, I truly do mean that every <laughs> card is a pet card because I I don't build decks loosely or haphazardly. I know we talked about how, I want to try to do that a little bit more. But even if, so for the longest time, I had a Weatherlight Duelist deck. It was Slesnia. It was everything I love to do in Commander, which is turn things sideways. And it's big things. And the process of going from that to Tristani Discordant, that was such a, a painstaking process because I, I knew the deck in and out. But just over time, I had tweaked the deck a little bit, tweaked it here and there until it was something completely different from what it originally set out to be. And so, just change the commander. It was, it was a lot of thought that went into that. And so, it's not that I don't enjoy changing decks and I don't enjoy the process. It's just, man, it's it, I don't I the one thing I don't enjoy, I guess, about it is finding what to take out because I put it in there for sure. a reason. And so I yeah I, I, I and especially too, sometimes it feels like I just with how often I get to play. Sometimes I'm cutting cards that I never got to cast to begin with, which is the most frustrating thing in
1: the yeah. world. Yeah. Like how that card came out three whole weeks ago, and I've not seen it yet in the, <laughs> in the one time I've played this deck. It must be terrible.
0: Yes. Uh, I've, I've had that thought I'm, process. I I, I know it's, yeah. it's silly to say, but it's genuine that, oh, man, I haven't seen this card yet. It must suck. <laughs> Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, it, again, it it just it, and that's a problem that is going to persist as the release schedule stays as it is. Does or, what it do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, yeah, I, I have this weird thing where like when I'm going to make those cuts, I'll have this list in my spreadsheet of like, okay, I want to add these three cards, and sometimes it's easy, like, so, like sometimes. I'm going to add Demolition Field. I keep talking about that card because it's an easy one to reference. And, oh, I'm going to take out any Ghost Quarters or titanic Edges still in my deck. That's an easy swap to make. Um, uh, when I wound up putting Farewell in, a, in a, a deck or two when it was released, I'm like, oh, I'm just pulling another board wipe. Like I, th- I was mm-hmm. clearly happy with the amount of board wipes in my deck, so I'm just going to replace one of them with this other one. But it's not always that easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's much more complicated. No. And I find myself doing this thing where, like, I'll stare at my deck list online, and I'm I'm waiting for that thing to happen, like, when a scientist is trying to, like, solve the equation in a movie, and they're like, he's just looking at the page long enough, and, like, something will, like, light up, and I'm like, oh, there's the solution. I I... For some reason, I keep thinking that's gonna happen. I'll stare at my deck list and all of a sudden, I'd be like, "Oh, that card's terrible. I'm gonna pull that one out. Like it's gonna somehow pop off the page at me, and it never ever works that way. I, no. I just stared at it a little bit longer, and eventually, I'm like, well, I guess I'm pulling this because I, it's time to move on to something else. I've stared at this deck list for 15 minutes, and and nothing has presented itself as a solution. So, I guess this card's coming out. Like sometimes that that's what I wind up doing too. Where like I know I want to try this card. Something has to come out. This is the one that's coming out. I gotta make a decision. you you're I'm sorry. You were you're the one that caught my eye. You're the one getting the right now.
0: So it's it's not the case of well this card underperforms, so I'm punishing it by taking out of the deck. I mean
1: that definitely has happened. <laughs> that definitely happens. We talked about when I do that too. But yeah, sometimes you just gotta like I just need to make a decision. I just gotta like I, I wanna play a card. I can only stare at this list and architect for so long before I need to do something. So I guess this is the one that's coming out.
0: I mean I I've definitely had the the situation where I was sitting there and it's I'm I want to lead off and say I'm not a hoarder, but I can be when it comes to taking deck like decks apart or take like taking cards out of decks. Where I'll sit there and look at a card and like, well, it'll be really useful if I ever play against this type of deck, and, but I never play against those types of decks because sure nobody does, and and so I just. I need to get over. I I feel like I get in my own way when I'm taking cards out. I I overcomplicate it because I I think I put more emotional attachment into the cards that I put into the decks. And and so it just gets a little bit harder and I make it harder on myself. I don't have to do that. I could I should be a little more. okay. let's just try something new. Uh, But I I like my routines and I like knowing. Sure. I like I, I guess part of it is the the 60 card competitive player in me. That I did that for so long, or it was I like knowing the ins and outs of my decks. I have tuned this. I know where I've gotten it to, and I don't want to make changes that I don't have to. But then part of commander is just, what what do you want to play? Yes. Do you have to? No. But do you want to? Yes. And and that's the part that sometimes I stumble over myself trying to get to that or not back to the, not to that point, but back to that point.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. And, and the the thing I think that gets trickier too for, for particularly people in our position. Um, the longer you play with these decks, the more emotional attachment you have to cards because you've played them. You mm-hmm. remember that one time that this card did this one thing in this game that made for a great story. And you're like, Oh, it hasn't done that for a couple of years, but, but it did that one time and it was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Man, I don't want to pull that. And like you repeat that process for the other 99 cards in your deck. And like you're like, oh, they're all my beautiful, amazing children. How can I possibly pick one over the other? But the, but that's
0: really how on it. Like if, if we wanted a very, very specific example, that's why Rishkar's expertise is in literally any deck for me anymore. <laughs> sure, because sure, I, yeah. I still remember the first time I cast it. I was, I was sitting at the shop with my best friend and his brother and another friend of ours. And I cast and I drew like seven cards and I cast something for free. And I just, I was giggling to myself. <laughs> right, just so right. happy. And just, this is, this card is everything that I want to do in magic. It's just dump big, dumb things into play. And, and, and I love the way that it made me feel. And I still remember that very specific moment and I'm just chasing yep. that high. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. anymore
1: Exactly. In, in in the more you play, the more you have of those things to chase and try to get back to, and it becomes trickier and trickier for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and so th- that's that's probably one thing that I need to get better about is okay. I know you love this card, Matt, but it's not great in this this elf deck where everything's a one-one. You just need to stop, just just get out of your own way, right? And 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 make do the right thing, just once, maybe, please. So yeah. It, that's the my biggest struggle. It's not that I don't, I guess to answer your question from a minute ago, it's not that I don't like putting new cards in decks. It's not that I don't like looking through new cards, but I, the my biggest struggle is just finding the space for the new stuff. And mm. if there was ever a time that they that they said, "Okay, your card your your deck doesn't have to be exactly 100 cards anymore. It has to be at least 100 cards." I would just start throwing all sorts of crap into <laughs>
1: Well, that would end so badly for me. It would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh.
0: And so that, that's where, just where I'm at. And, and with, with pulling decks or with pulling cards out, I should say. So,
1: yeah. Well, my last kind of uh, final thought here on this, um, sometimes when we do shows a little bit like this, where, where we compare, you know, this person does this thing this way and this person does this thing this way. And it's, it's a way to like get ideas and see, oh, maybe that is interesting. And I can take a look at doing that. Um. I, I'm going to guess, however, and I guess you can answer this in a moment, that's not what's going to happen here. I think this is a situation where <laughs> the way I do it works really well for me, and the way you do it wouldn't work as well for me, and I'm happy with my method, and mm-hmm. the same is probably true with you. Is that is that correct? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah th- there's a reason that we've gotten into the habits that we have, and, and there's there's no right or wrong. Like, the, A, no. this is magic. It's It's a game. But also, this is commander, where you get to do literally whatever you want. And so there, it, you can't say, well, this works for me. That's the right way. That, that, that just right. doesn't apply. And so whether it's how you play the game, what formats you're playing, how you update your decks, it, there's room for literally everything in between. And, and I guess yes. the, the reason that you and I kind of said, hey, here's something that we're just we're vastly different at that w- you want to talk about it. I think that's kind of why we chose this topic, because mm-hmm. you are on one far extreme of the spectrum. You're you're. <laughs> right. you're very disciplined about how you update your decks. Whereas I'm just, oh, I'll, I'll do it when I do it. It's like the dishes. It'll be there waiting for me.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we found our own ways to do this that works very well for us. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of the, I guess the important lesson to take away here is just find what works really well for you because with this money sets out you you've just got to find your own path and, and what works for me and what works for matt might not work for anybody else out there you might have your own specific way you do this so yeah um i do think it is kind of fascinating how 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 different this this particular aspect of deck maintenance i guess it is um is for people but yeah i i, I think As long as you are enjoying what you're doing, I think that's all that really matters at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and 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 we just hope that you know some of the ways that we handle our upgrading or updating, however you want to put it, Mm -hmm. it, it's just helpful. Give give some people some some tips and tools to update their own decks, however often they want to do it. And there's there's space for everything in between. I know some people that they do it every other month, but some people. They're, they're updating decks maybe even more so than Dana because, okay, did I miss any cards? That's always a thing too that we, we tiptoed around a little bit is sometimes you just miss cards and you see somebody playing a, a, a card. You're like, how old is that card? And they're like, oh, this came out oh, uh, two weeks ago. Why?
1: Right, we're like, we're, right, we're just we're just talking about like new sets, and adding new cards. Like, we're not talking about like, oh, I was at my shop and this person played this thing, and like, oh, I forgot that card. It will be perfect for this deck that I that I built after it came out, or that I just you know, it was it was expensive at release and I was gonna wait and get it when it was cheaper and forgot about it then or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that thing happens right away too. Like, the, the, I'm not just making changes every every time a set comes out. I'm making changes not to every deck every week, but like every week there's at least some change making being made to some deck because I thought of a new card or saw an interaction or didn't like another card or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's a whole different thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess the, the one last question before we go uh, to, to kind of wrap everything up. If there was somebody who wanted to emulate your style, Dana, of I want to make sure every single set that comes out, I'm, I'm reviewing everything. What is the biggest piece of advice from your methods that you want to pass on to everybody here?
1: Uh, take notes okay. <laughs> because there's just too much information coming out for you to keep track of all of it and you're just going to forget this one card that caught your eye they're like oh this will be perfect for this deck you're going to forget about it um so if a card does in whatever way capture your attention that you think you might briefly want it for this deck. Have some kind of way to write that down on your phone in a notebook, whatever method works best for you. In something that you can just review every month whatever it winds up being. Because uh, c- if you're counting on your short term memory to re- retain all of those cards that are come floating across your vision, it's not going to work. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to try to do that and even when we were getting a couple sets a year that just didn't work with a couple decks. Now that there's this many sets coming out and I have this many Decks, and that's just not something that I can that that I can keep in my brain. I just need to have something written down somewhere, and doing that has made it way easier for me to kind of go back and look at the thing. Oh yeah, that card I wrote down two weeks ago, I forgot. I because you do that, like I'll check the oh, list, I'm like all oh, the, I all forgot the time. what that card I wrote down. Oh, I, right.
0: there, there's a reason I have a row in a box of mine, and it's all cards that I knew I was going to forget about, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I just bought a copy. Uh, I I have cards like Staff of the Storyteller. It's an interesting card. I I don't have a deck for it now, but I want to have a deck for it later. And so I I have a copy just in case I ever need it. And I have everything sorted and organized, ready to go. I just I know I'm going to forget about it because there's so many cool cards that are coming out all the time. So I just make sure, okay, next order, I'm going to throw one of these on there just to make sure I I have it. It's a quarter. I'm not out a whole lot. Let's just do that.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, that's a great example because I did the same thing. I don't have a deck for Staff of the Storyteller, but it was cheap, so I grabbed two of them, I think, mm-hmm. that are sitting in a, in a, in a potential use bin back there. And it's, it's in the things to be considered pile for, for white decks because it's a solid card that I don't have a home for, but I liked it a lot and thought mm-hmm. someday I'm going to want to use that for something.
0: Yeah, I, I, I probably have. <laughs> probably four or five cards a set that i i I see and i really like them and i want to play them but i just i don't have a place for them yet Mm -hmm. and so i okay i'm gonna stash this away i'm gonna make sure i remember it when i start building a deck that it could go into yeah
1: we would be interested in hearing back from listeners out there though about how exactly you do this, especially given the glut of releases right now. Are yeah. you someone who stays abreast of this, or does the sheer amount of cards make you like just wait till you have a bunch of things piled up? So let us know in the comments section. Um I, I'm I'm very curious to how everyone out there handles this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot of, of space in between where you and I personally fall. So Yeah. It'll be very interesting to see what the comment section looks like with, with how often everybody's able to update their decks and how they update. That, that, that's another method, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much for listening. I am Dana. You can find me on Twitter at Dana Roach, and I'm writing articles for EDH Rec and Commander's Herald. And you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDH
0: and I'm Matt Morgan. You can find me on Twitter at Mathimus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S H I M U S five five. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDH We have guests on every single week. and It's always a super fun time. So make sure you tune in for all of that as well.
1: Thank you very much for listening. Um, remember to click that like or up a vote button down below. And we'll be back next week with a new show. Until then, EDH Rec Your Deck before you wreck your deck.